Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I am your co-host Agnes. And I'm the other co-host Margaret. This podcast is an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. We're very grateful you could join us today. In this week's episode, Margaret and I have a special guest, Lucy Boyland of Your So Introverted Podcast. Back on episode 36, we had Lucy on our podcast where we talked all about religion and coming from a religious background. Instead, we turned the conversation from religion to politics. Lucy has been exploring many political ideologies in the last year, which she has been sharing on her social media and podcast. Being a citizen of Arkansas, Lucy has identified many local political issues that she is fighting hard to change and inform herself and others about. In this episode, we dive into the past midterm elections, running for political office, Arkansas elections, and what Lucy's purpose is and her journey towards political participation. I hope you enjoy. Oh, I have a good way to start it. Okay, I'm very curious. Since you're a barista and... I am obsessed with like all of the holiday drinks. Like I have been holding back on like, I've been saving my dollars (laughs) for this season. Do you feel like customers at your coffee shop are like going feral now that it's the holiday time? Oh, definitely. I feel like more people are coming in, especially with like seasonal menus happening. Yeah. Like, our fall menu is really popular. That's pretty much all people order right now. And as soon as our winter menu hits, it's going to be exactly the same. And this year, we're actually trying to create, like, Christmas specials. So, like, the week of Christmas, we'll have an exclusive drink or something like that. So, yeah, that is definitely, that's how it is. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because, like, I know that all, like, the Starbucks and the coffee shops around us are just, like, insanely busy all the time. And for me, I've been enjoying the sugar cookie latte at Starbucks. <laughs> I haven't had it yet, but it sounds really good. It's really good. I had one yesterday that like wasn't as good as like the first one that I had. Mm. Um, just depends on the barista, but it's really good. If any listeners want to try it, go try the sugar cookie latte at Starbucks. It's delicious. <laughs> All right, let's get into some real stuff. So I have been seeing so much content on your social medias and on your podcast, which is called You're So Introverted. Where can, Actually, do you want to give a shout out of what your Instagram is and where we can find your podcast? Yeah, for sure. So my Instagram is just at You're So Introverted. Super simple. And the podcast You're So Introverted is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also Anchor if you're listening on that platform. Um, but most, most of my listeners are coming from Spotify, I think. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of political content recently since it's election season. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So I have been seeing so much stuff on your social media about politics and Mm -hmm. I love politics. That's what I'm studying in college. And I honestly feel like a baby just like seeing what you're talking about. And I just like, I didn't even know that. Like, that's so insane. So you have been Mm -hmm. doing so much amazing research. Um, and we had you back on our podcast in, I think it was episode 36 where we talked more about spirituality and religion. And I was kind of surprised just to see like the direction of your podcast move from like more like personal stories about, um, 
just religion and spirituality to more of like the political topics that you're talking about. So my first question for you is when did you start to gain interest on governmental issues and the upcoming midterm elections or just elections in general? Well, I would definitely say to like tie in spirituality to the conversation, like my interest in deconstruction and politics kind of came in at the same time because my deconstruction from religion started whenever like politics started to get really divisive in my community. So like 2020, when COVID happened, when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, all of those things, those were like really prevalent in my community. So it started to get really personal for me. So you talk about like, you're so introverted started as personal stories and just like me talking about stuff that was happening in my life, it actually, I feel like, is still very personal, even though I'm talking about politics and I'm sharing a lot of research-based content on the podcast. It's still very personal because it's very, very relevant in my life, just outside of the podcast sphere, you know? So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And even with my own story of observing politics, I even remember like when president Obama first ran for president and just like, I, it's so weird to say like, Oh, the current issues in politics, because I feel like there's always been issues with politics, especially growing up. For sure. I'm sure you can understand like having more, like being in a more religious environment and all of that, like conflict of just parents being like aggressive about their political beliefs. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so it's I I can definitely relate to that like the spiritual journey and just being able to identify where you stand politically because they are so interconnected and a lot of people don't mm-hmm. realize that. Um so today we are recording this episode on November 5th. Midterm elections are on November 8th. Unfortunately, this episode is going to be released after midterm elections just because of scheduling, but that's okay. We can still talk about it. Um, So this is a very broad question, but I just have to ask (laughs) because there are a lot of people who don't know. What are the midterm elections and why are they important? So midterm elections, I'll probably be pretty broad in this answer Mm -hmm. because I don't even know all the specifics of it. But midterm elections are, to me, what matters most for your state. Like, the presidential elections matter for the whole nation, but then you have the midterms, which are deciding, like, your state governor, your lieutenant governor, um, secretary of state, all of those types of offices. So, really, your midterm elections, you, you want to vote during that time because those are the laws that are going to impact you the most, the soonest. So your governor and your your Senate will be introducing laws, passing laws, making amendments to your state constitution, which, by the way, I didn't even know that states had constitutions for the longest time. I didn't know I, that either. <laughs> that, like, totally skipped my education, Um, But, like, Arkansas has its own constitution that our, um, like, government officials in Arkansas can amend. So, like, those are the ballot measures that are being introduced in the midterm elections. It's amendments to your constitution. So it's wildly important because those are the things 
that could pass that will pretty immediately affect you and your livelihood. Whereas the presidential election um, will affect you eventually, but it's more on like a broader, more general like level, I guess. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely important. Well, I think what's interesting too, and I've kind of known, I think a lot of people know this, but there's a lower voter turnout for midterms historically, like typically for presidential elections, you'll have around 50% of the, of the voter population will go out and vote. But with, for midterms, it's more like 37% Mm -hmm. of the voter population will go out. So there's like this huge margin where you have a huge group of people that, don't realize how important midterm elections are and how yeah. impactful they are. Even as you said, Lucy, like even more impactful than a presidential election mm-hmm. can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I've been seeing a lot of uh, content on your social media is about like Arkansas in general. And yeah. you have brought up a lot of really good points. And I've, I've, maybe been to Arkansas before I can't remember but I don't live in Arkansas and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to us don't but you have been talking a lot about the politics and the midterm elections in Arkansas specifically I would love for you to actually go into that and talk about the candidates or just like some of the issues that Arkansas is facing right now with the midterm elections Sure. So the race that I've been following the closest is the governor race. So we have three people running and it's the libertarian candidate, the Democratic and the Republican. So Chris Jones is the Democrat that's running and he is quite literally a rocket scientist. Like he worked for NASA. Um, He has like four degrees. I don't remember all of them. But it's like urban planning and some kind of science degree. Uh, He's also a pastor in Arkansas. So he has like the ministry aspect to him. Um, So he's like super overqualified for the position that he's running for. And then you have the Republican candidate who is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And her father was actually a previous governor in Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. So she is kind of running on like name recognition a little bit. Her platform is a lot of like um, protect yourself and your family from the radical left and protect yourself from Joe Biden's like inflation things and whatever. So she is sharing a lot of broad um, topics and broad issues and really playing into the, fear aspect of elections like here's all these things you can be afraid of vote for me so that these things won't happen but she doesn't really go into the plan for how those things will happen or not happen or like what she's going to do about it so that's kind of why I haven't been a huge fan of her campaign and the way that she's run it Um, But Chris Jones is very much the opposite. He's like, these are the ways that I'm going to implement like more education or better access to broadband internet or better access to jobs. So he's very specific while the Republican candidate is very broad in the way that she is sharing her ideas. Um, But we were talking about voter turnout and how it's like historically less during midterms. Arkansas is actually the 50th 
ranking state in voter turnout. I think just in general, like in all elections, but definitely in midterms. So my, to me, my hope and kind of my goal in the way that I've been encouraging political activity and like political education is I just want to see us not be 50th in the nation. (laughs) Even if we're 49th by the time this election season is over, I'll feel like my mission was accomplished regardless of who wins the election. Um, Just because I feel like, especially my age bracket, like the younger generations of America that are not as politically active because they feel like their vote doesn't matter or they feel like, it's too divisive. They don't want to get into all of it. Like, I just want to like spread the message and spread the, um, awareness for like political activity and just being involved. Um, so yeah. I love that you mentioned that you feel like your mission would have been accomplished or will have been accomplished if the voter turnout is different. And I think that's really, really important because, it like I think as well about the current uh, political climate that we're in right now and just how messed up it is and how many like older people there are and which like obviously no age discrimination and um, I'm I voted for Joe Biden who is older um, yeah. but it's it kind of scares me a little bit thinking about how you me Margaret we are the next generation. Like one of us, like one of our peers is going to be president is going to be in office. And what are the steps that you and I can take right now in order to make sure that our country is going to look the way that we think that it should look and make these changes, especially with, um, when we talk about the future 50 years from now, when we're all older how like are we going to be able to go outside because of our environmental crisis so Mm. it's very very important for people in our age group to be saying things like that like my mission is accomplished when it comes to political uh, issues and I was even having a conversation with my cousin Jessica this morning and we were talking about politics and how even back when President Obama first ran for president I feel like when I saw the way that my parents made that made their political opinions and and decisions, um, it was this constant like either or of moral dilemma. Like, what is this uh, politician's moral grounds? Like, what do they believe in? And then what is like, what are they capable of producing? So it's like, are, are they a good, like, are they able to actually give us something and like make a plan, which is also mm-hmm. extremely important? Or do they have like more moral values, which I feel like we especially saw in um, Trump versus Clinton in 2020 because, or 20, what was that? 2014, 2016. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll mix up because they, like there was just so much like so many people I know my parents like they voted just based on like abortion and the opinions on abortion and it's like have you actually done research on what you know what I mean like what like their plan is and then also the same thing with Trump and Biden it's like who is able to actually produce and give us um 
like actually execute their plan and who has more like a moral mm. like or who are you able to relate to morally so I don't know it's just yeah. food for thought like stuff I've been thinking about and just how I wish that we could see a presidential candidate that had both and I feel right. like we aren't seeing that and it's very troubling but with our generation fingers crossed we do have more people coming into office that have both of those skills Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying this week's episode. We'd like to take a quick moment to pause and tell you about our Patreon. Unrefined Women offers a pay-what-you-can model in which each tier has access to the same content and community. This follows our values that each person is worthy and deserving of connection, regardless of financial circumstances. And some of the benefits to joining our Patreon include access to our virtual monthly Sunday brunch, online private community where we share Q&As, memes, behind-the-scenes content, and general conversation. Additionally, we post a bonus episode each month. You can access our Patreon by downloading the Patreon app or going to patreon.com on your browser and looking up Unrefined Women. As always, we are so grateful for your support. Running a podcast requires a lot of time and financial commitment on our part. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And now back to the episode. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the way that you were raised and your environment. How has, or well, first of all, were you, with your family being religious, I would assume that um, you were probably around like more of a conservative environment, just as we were. And yeah. how has your political views changed and when did they change from being in an environment like that to then growing into who you are now? Um, literally, as soon as I went to college, my views started changing. So as soon as I was like not living with my parents, as soon as I was around a different group of people, I was starting to like chip away very slowly at what I had believed for, for my entire life. Because um, my freshman year of college was 2016. So my first semester of college, the election was happening. And it was like, very relevant. Everyone was talking about it. And not everyone agreed, which was very different from what I came from because my whole family, like extended family, my church that I was going to at the time, to my knowledge, everyone was in agreement on who to vote for and why they were voting for them. And a lot of it had to do with like, um, I think a lot of it had to do with morals uh, and a lot of it had to do with the pro-life, pro-choice conversation and everything like that. Um, I think for my family in particular, it was mostly abortion. That was like the big topic. Um, I I don't think my parents will ever vote for a pro-choice candidate, regardless of whatever else they're running for. Um, And that's just how they are. That's their priority and that's fine. Um, but I've seen that way of thinking become so limiting, um, and to, to support a candidate based on one issue, I, I think ultimately is not the most like constructive way to be involved in politics because if they fail you in that one aspect how are they going to fail you based on the rest of their campaign? You know, if you can't agree with anything else, but you agree with that one thing and they don't follow through, then where are you, you know? 
Yeah. And also with what we're facing right now with our abortion rights being taken away, we have a Democratic president in office who is pro-choice. And Mm -hmm. I think and with his presidency, it was still taken away. And I don't think that this is shame on the current president. I think this is a big realization for especially us as women to understand that the decisions, unfortunately, on our body is more so for the Supreme Court. And yes, you yeah. know, the president has does have like the checks and balances of like who's on the Supreme Court, but they were the ones that caused this issue. They were the ones right. that started this and made that decision for us. And I think that a lo- often what I especially like what I can recognize in um, the conservative environment that we grew up in, that it's just kind of like this idea that like, oh, if the president's pro- uh, if they're pro pro life, then suddenly all abortions going to be illegal when they're president. Like they just suddenly think right. that. So, and you're right. Like it's not a productive way to be politically involved and to vote. Um, but I know Margaret, I, w- I want you to touch on this a little bit on um, when abortion became an issue in America when it came to politics. Cause I know you touched on this a couple episodes back. Mm, yeah. And I don't have like sources in front of me or anything like that at the moment. Um, and it's such a, oh, such a complex thing because I feel like I've seen some documentaries on this before, but my understanding of how abortion became like a political issue was that, um, and if any of you have other information or something like feel free to throw it in, but my understanding of, was that you know, back in the 60s, the Republican Party, a lot of their policies and, and their viewpoints and perspectives were becoming quite outdated. Mm-hmm. And there was this fear of losing power. And so the Republicans had to come up with some kind of policy or some kind of perspective to start getting the support of religious people, because actually a lot of religious people back then tended to vote more progressive because a lot of progressive policies tend to help the poor, tend to help the homeless, tend to help sick people, which fall in line with religious beliefs. And so um, I don't understand the specifics of how it became a political issue, but somehow um, there were some, uh, I think it was a pastor actually that was involved in politics that was able to recognize that um, abortion could be this very, very hot topic mm-hmm. um, and could it, and would definitely get the support of religious groups. So it ended up becoming a political issue um, and something like policies and, and something that people could vote on. Um, and then we just had an episode recently talking about the waves of feminism and with the second wave of feminism, you know, a lot of the focus during that time was for females to start having more empowerment in the public sphere, in workplaces, um, having bodily autonomy. And so then the focus there kind of more from the left and from feminist groups was trying to hold on to that autonomy. So it's but yeah, there's a lot of complexity there. And, and there's I mean, that definitely is something interesting to Google about how abortion became a political issue there's there's a lot there thanks for sharing that margaret and that's also like ever since you conducted that research and told me about that i've been thinking about it a lot just like 
how brainwashed even like I'm sure we all have like our own sense of brainwashing but just how Mm. religion has gotten so intersected with politics and what a shit show it has created and it's very frustrating Um, and that leads to my next question for you do you feel discouraged or hopeful for our generation coming into politics um you know, I feel like this is something that I go back and forth on a lot, mm-hmm. but I think where I've landed most recently is I actually have a lot of hope for the next generation, for my generation and the ones after me. Like, I just see a lot of compassion for people, at least with the people around me in my community. Um And even some politicians that are, like, starting to find their way into um, office, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I love. Love her. She is my my home screen. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) she's incredible. And just people like her that are starting to find their way into political office. I, I feel like we have some really solid people starting to get in there and make change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I talk on my podcast about the documentary Knock Down the House, mm-hmm. which I love. And something that I say in the podcast, I talk a lot about the relationship of hope and fear and like how they affect people's political involvement. And just like thinking about how much more motivated people are whenever they are motivated by hope instead of fear. And I was talking earlier about how the Republican candidate in Arkansas is running a campaign of fear and how she's trying to like get people in because of the things they're afraid of. Whereas the Democratic candidate is running on a campaign of hope. And I feel like that is so much more powerful and so much more activating for people So that's where I I like to um, push myself to land and to sit is in a perspective of hope. And like, we can get better and we are getting better. Um, And I see a lot of people, a lot of young people around me wanting to do their part to make America a better place for the people that come after us. So yeah, I'm hopeful. That's great. I'm so glad that you're hopeful because like I have my own moments where I'm like terrified. Yeah, (laughs) I think for the most part (laughs) I am hopeful. But again, like I have I don't go on TikTok anymore. I don't even have the app on my Mm -hmm. phone because I feel like especially over the pandemic and which is all like the crazy pandemic drama and political drama, um, I would just see like random stuff pop up of like somebody saying very like racist and awful things and it's someone that's young and that scares me that there are people in our age group that believe in these awful awful things and it it is terrifying to look at that and like see these people but then again like having conversations like this it does make me feel hopeful Um, and also like in my work environment, one of the attorneys that I work with, he's very, very, very conservative, but he is actually like one of my favorite attorneys that I work with because he is able to like put that aside. And I, like, we have had a few like political conversations and I've just like kind of realized like 
we really kind of, we just want the same thing. I feel like we all really just want the same thing. Like we just want to be taken care of. We want to be able to see money in our bank account. We don't want to be robbed of our money. We want to be able to work and be a productive part of society without being overworked. Like there's so many other things and it's all about the plan. Like how are we going to get there? Um, Obviously there are different aspects that are um, oppressing to cultures that Mm. get in the way and unfortunately so I'm hoping that we're able to move forward but again like I agree with you that there are a lot more people that are coming out of their family's tradition of just being conservative especially with religion yeah Um, and I think something that's important to remember whenever you're talking about like young people on TikTok who are saying racist things and mm -hmm. everything like that um it's so much easier for a young person to change their mind in my opinion than it is for like someone in their 60s to change the way they believe and so like you said having conversations like this and being open to discussing political issues with the other side of the spectrum is Mm -hmm. so important and so transformative Mm -hmm. and really crucial like we're not going to see any change happen if we're not engaging the other side of the fence um but I I really do think that young people are eager to learn and eager to make a positive difference in the world so I I feel like that's a good place to foster positive political involvement Definitely. And also just controlling verbal aggression. When Mm -hmm. I first started um, with the last presidential election, I found myself like that's when I first began to be more invested in politics and my first time voting as well. Um, I would get in conversations with like my brother who's very conservative and I would just get all like hot headed and very angry. And I think I've learned throughout, like even like I was telling the story of like my coworker or my colleague and being able to hold civil conversations. It just truly made me understand that like if I'm screaming in someone's face or using disrespectful words to try to get my point across, it will not. Because if somebody came to me with their conservative point of views and they were just throwing it in my face using disrespectful terminology, I would be completely turned off. And that just feeds into like the awful stereotypes of the different sides of the spectrum. So I think that obviously to a point, as long as someone's not, you're not um, allowing like awful racist, oppressive, Uh, mindsets but also just understanding that just because somebody is conservative just because somebody has liberal point of views does not mean that I have to disrespect them or be like Mm -hmm. well I disagree or you know what I mean just being like aggressive with your words so yeah I think that that's definitely a step and a uh advice for anybody that's coming into this uh, world of politics for sure and I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast Pantsuit Politics um but they it's two women and one's a republican one's a democrat and they just like share news pretty candidly and they have written books one of them i'm reading right now and it's called i think you're wrong but i'm listening and they talk about how to have political conversations with people who believe the opposite as you and like how to foster that communication in a way that's 
non-aggressive and it is more effective because you're like really hearing each other out um so I I just think that's really cool that they do that and I love listening to their podcast because it feels so non-biased um which is something that is very much lacking in the political conversation world um so they're great if you ever need a political podcast to listen to that's awesome. I literally just I literally just followed them on Spotify. Yeah. I'm so I'm so curious to hear it now because I think that's something that has become really lost, especially in the last few years. And I understand like why it's really really hard to be able to cross party lines and and um, try to work with people mm-hmm. because kind of Agnes going back to what you were talking about before. I think a lot of the focus on politicians the last few years has become about a politician's moral ground, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stemmed with Trump because Trump was so blatantly um, this just very, very disrespectful to people, specifically women, um, you know, immigrants, anyone who wasn't like a white <laughs> upper class Christian man was really shit on in a terrible way. So things really became personal. Like the, the, there's that saying, you know, that, uh, the political is personal and that really has become very, very true the last few years. So it's made it harder to be able to have conversations with people and which is really, really sad because that's where you can really actually get work done and get policies passed mm-hmm. is when people can work across party lines right. and say, hey, you know what, um, you know, you might be a Republican or you might be a Democrat and I'm and I'm the opposite, but you have this one bill specifically that, that I actually think is a good idea, so I'm going to support it regardless of party. And that happens less and less. And it's really sad because I think it becomes really easy to dehumanize other people when we're not able to sit in this place with people who are different from us and think differently from us and approach the conversation with curiosity and compassion and wanting to learn and understand. Agnes, as you said, there's so much focus right now on like screaming, like people are screaming and screaming and no one's listening. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that, that divide between the right and the left, I feel like is just getting wider and wider and deeper. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like a lot of our political leaders aren't very good influences (laughs) because when it, like when it comes to this, because we can look back at, um, all of the presidential debates. I specifically remember Hillary Clinton and President Trump. And that was just a complete shit show. I was like 14 years old, just sitting there watching it like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like every five minutes because they were just going off. And I feel like they would benefit from listening to that podcast and reading that book. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because what are they? T- it's like, it's like two parents screaming and fighting in front of their five-year-old kid, you know, like it's not healthy. You're showing a very bad example of what uh, compromising looks like. And when we see two presidential candidates that are screaming at each other on live television, where millions and hundreds of millions of people are watching them, you're not showing a very good influence of what they should do when they are in that position, when they are having a conversation with their colleague about um, political issues or with a friend about political issues. You're literally teaching your country, your followers, your your citizens how to act. And that is not the way that anybody should be acting. So 
I don't know, maybe they need a babysitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I want to segue a little bit into um, the next question, which is uh, going back to just kind of the way that you were raised and with your parents' political views. Do you feel like when you started to make this shift and be more public about your political views and also just to give it to you, I don't think you're like on Instagram, just like shouting, like, this is what I believe. You're more so like (laughs) fact based. And I love that you're more, you're researching, you're sharing the facts, regardless of what you believe and telling people to vote regardless of what they believe in. And that's awesome. And everybody should be doing that. Uh, But do you feel like since coming public, you have received backlash or like a positive outcome from your peers or your family or internet followers? Um, It's been a mix of both. I've definitely Mm -hmm. had some people who disagree with me and are pretty aggressive about how much they disagree with me. I would say my, my family is pretty good about having civil conversation about politics for the most part. Sometimes it gets a little too personal for us. And so we tried to just like not bring it up as often as possible. Yeah. Um, but we we try to keep it civil at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like Instagram goes and internet conversations, I, I definitely feel like people are much quicker to be aggressive because they have that wall of like, well, I'm just talking to a screen it doesn't feel like they're talking to a person because they're typing it on their Mm -hmm. phone, you know? So they're definitely going to be more outspoken, more um, aggressive is the word I keep using, but it's the most accurate thing I can think of. Um, But I also have a lot of people who are very open to hearing my side of things, my perspective. Um, I've had people who are still not registered voters, um, talking to me about like why they've decided not to vote and why they think that it's not helpful um, and whatnot. And we've had really good conversations and I've always been very um, accepting of them because I was in that group of people. I was like, I don't want to get involved in politics. It's too divisive, too aggressive, not for me. Um, And whenever I would say that, at that point in my life, I would get a lot of backlash of like, well, you should be voting because it's your civic duty. And it is, but you're not going to get people in if you're just like shitting on them all the time mm-hmm. and telling them what a terrible person they are for not voting. Yeah. And so I try to keep the lines of communication as like open and honest as possible. And those people have been really appreciative of that and they're willing to have those conversations with me because they know I'm not going to tell them that they're terrible people for not voting or for not being involved in politics. I've been able to tell them like, Hey, I understand because I was exactly where you're at like four years ago. Um, so I've definitely had, had a mix of both responses like negative and positive. Um, but I think overall I feel really good about what I've put out on the internet and like how I've spoken publicly about politics because it's just started conversations whether they're aggressive or not um and I think that starting a conversation is the first step for making change so you know that's awesome and I was just reminded that Jennifer Lawrence who if you don't know look her up she's an actress <laughs> um she was out on a magazine vogue or something like that but 
she had an article or she was in an article in the magazine where she talked about politics and political participation. And I can't remember what the exact quote was, but it was something like, I don't fuck with people who say they aren't political. And I've Mm. been thinking a lot about that because I do know a lot of people that just want to stay out of it. And I get it because again, like I was in that position as well, especially when I first turned 18 and it's like, Oh my God, like now I have this responsibility to vote and it's terrifying. And I just thought of the word, like, as you were speaking, I just thought of the word guilt and political Mm -hmm. guilt specifically Yeah, because I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm watching Hulu or watching when I have ads on the TV or whatever, I'm driving down the freeway and I see billboards It is literally just like, especially with midterms, it's all these candidates that are just talking shit about the other person and showing like little clips of like what they said and how bad. And some of it's like concerning, like I can't believe he said that, but because they're so conflicting, like one ad is, um, for example, in Arizona, Mark Kelly talking shit about Blake Masters or vice versa. And you see both of those, um, those like commercials or or those ads back to back, it is very conflicting and people don't know what to believe. It's very hard to decipher like what you believe. And then also when you're surrounded by people that are very aggressive about their political beliefs, people are too afraid to make up their mind and say, Hey, no, this is what I believe because they're afraid that if they say that, then someone's going to come to them and tear them down and make them feel guilty about what they believe in. And that's why it's so important for people to practice having civil political conversations with people that have opposite views. And it makes people feel more confident and then also more open to learning because I have changed a lot of political beliefs before, you know, like I have thought something and I've had a conversation with someone and they completely changed my mind. And I said, wow, like that really makes sense. And I didn't have enough research to back up what I thought before. And now I've changed my thoughts. So yeah, it's really important to have those mindsets. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's also this belief that if you're politically involved, then that means you have to know everything about everything and know where you stand on every issue. And that's just not the case because there are so many, so many issues to to think about and to research that there is no no possible way for every person in America to know everything about everything, you know? Yeah. So something that I've been telling people who are not involved and they're not voting, I always come at it from the side of like well just find your one thing just find your one thing that you care about that you are passionate about interested in whatever and have that be your in for politics Mm -hmm. like I have a friend who has ranted to me on many occasions about how messed up the education system is and she hates the way that colleges are set up and she thinks that they're they cost too much money and student loans are whatever and la 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 and I, I'll tell her like that's your in that that's what you care about and that's what you should be learning about in like the political sphere so that yeah. you can vote for policies that improve the education system in your opinion yeah. um, and I think coming at it from that perspective is a really easy way to get people interested because they no longer have that pressure of like, you have to know exactly where you stand on abortion rights. You have to know 
where you stand on critical race theory and all these Mm -hmm. things. And it's just so, so much pressure to know your opinion on all these things and be able to back them up with logic and research and all these things. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the pressure too, as you were saying, Lucy, there's so much pressure on, uh, where people feel like they have to know everything to be involved. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, until I have X, Y, and Z all figured out and I have like studied them thoroughly, then I have no right to have an opinion or a voice in the matter. And so we're kind of stuck in this loop where we think that we have to be intelligent in a certain way, mm-hmm. very analytical in a certain way to even deserve to have a voice or to or to even think and make decisions for ourselves. Yeah. And I think what's really sad is we've kind of lost the understanding that to that you have to have empathy for other people and you have to be able to have that student mindset and be open to learning with and and gaining new information and changing your mind. I actually was having this conversation with someone just this week about, you know, how messed up it is that there are so many politicians that represent a community that they're not even involved in. Yeah. Um, You have we saw this actually in the knock down the house documentary. You know, you had that congressman that didn't even live in the district he was representing. You know, wasn't didn't have any experiential understanding of the struggles that the people in that community were faced with. And so I've kind of over the years have shifted, um, you know, of course, like, you know, having degrees and education and all that and specific issues is important when running for office. But I think what's equally, if not more important that has become lost is this person's ability to actually sit with people in that community and be immersed in a part of that community where they understand firsthand what's you know what needs to happen to help people in the community and be willing to put their own interest aside at times to make the necessary changes for those people I think it's just become so ego driven you know, this is me and here's my ego, you know, obviously they're not conscious of it, but like I have to, you know, fight and attack people who are different from me. Um, You know, I have to try to get support for my policies, but it's so much about me and like my political track record versus being more in touch with, with the community. And so, and I think that's something that I feel hopeful about with our, with like our generation or like my generations, the millennial generation, and then like Gen Z and continuing on. But I do see this sense of more community. Mm-hmm. And I think social media and technology has helped, but I do see people like wanting to feel more part of a community. Um, and I'm just hoping that things change in the future and we recognize that like having empathy and listening and learning to the people that you're representing and being one of them is just as important as having all the degrees and the education. Yeah. yeah. And I think also understanding that you cannot solve all the problems. And I really like how you brought up your friend that was really interested in all the issues with the education system. And that can be her thing, you know? Yeah. Like not everybody needs to be involved in all of the issues. Some people are super insane and can focus on all those things, but not everybody. And, you know, certain people can have different passions or things that they're passionate about and that they're willing to vote for and research on and teach other people. And that is totally okay. And no matter how minor or, you know, big it is, it's all important equally because, 
the like the political realm is very 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 complex and what you learn in your high school government class is only like the very very tip of the iceberg like there is a whole other pyramid of just so many different directions and it is very overwhelming and Mm -hmm. no one should feel pressure to understand everything even myself you know taking the classes on like American government and our political system in general like there's so many times where I'm like that literally makes no sense and that's okay like you're allowed to learn as you go you don't need to know everything you're just you just need to do what you can and with what resources you have I, well, I think it's also important to kind of add on to that, Agnes. Um, you know, when you look at the presidency as an example, I mean, the president, we see the president because the president's in the spotlight. Right. What we don't see is the entire cabinet and team of people behind right. them and the experts and the scientists and the doctors, yeah. you know, and the researchers that are doing all like all the research to help the president to make decisions. Yeah. And same thing like with Congress, you know, if Congress people are doing their job correctly they're going to have a team of people around them that are helping them uh, with the research um they're listening to their community and really i think that like the in my mind when i think of like the ideal politician it is that person that is willing to listen more than speak and is willing to learn more than fight for their own maybe black and white rigid belief Mm -hmm. and I mean, because that's what you are. You're like a conduit for the people. You're the channel that people can get what they need through you. And it really is a, a, like a servitude position. Mm-hmm. It, it's You're in a, in a place of service. Yeah. So I think that's important to know. And because of that, I think that's relieving. It's like, hey, like you don't have to know everything because if you're doing it properly, you're going to be surrounded by people who are going to be checking you and balancing you and helping you with the information. You're not by yourself. You have that community and support around you. Yeah, definitely. Very well said. Well, I want to dive a little bit more into our fun questions. So I know that we... I had asked your our original we have like a, a set of fun questions that we usually ask and you already answered them in episode 36 I won't make you do it again <laughs> but I do have two more that I made up just tailored to you okay. um, the first one is what is your favorite seasonal drink since you're a barista Ooh, okay we have a latte on our fall menu that's called the Ozark autumn latte and it is a honey and cardamom latte with cinnamon on it and I don't know if y'all have ever had cardamom syrup in your coffee before, but it is my favorite and probably the most underrated coffee syrup that I've ever tasted because it's basically, it's a spice. So it's in the middle of like cinnamon spice and clove spice, kind of like if you're looking at it on a spectrum, mm-hmm. it's kind of in the middle of those. So it's very much a fall flavored syrup. So good. So that's, that's my favorite right now. Ooh, that sounds so good. I want to try it. (laughs) All right. And then my next question is, if you were ever given a chance to run for a political office, would you? And if so, what would you run for? Oh, my gosh. I've thought about this so much because people, (laughs) since listening to my podcast and me talking about politics so often, they've been like, well, why aren't you like running for office? Why, Why aren't you studying political science, all this stuff? And... I've I've thought about if I ever go back to school to like finish a degree, I'll probably go back for political science or something mm-hmm. like that. As far as what office I would run for, 
I I have no idea. I I feel like I'd have to do something a little bit more low key since yeah, it would be same. very much like a new experience for me. But like the first thing that comes to mind is lieutenant governor because it's very much like a background position, but still very important. Um, the way that Kelly Kraut, who is running for lieutenant governor in Arkansas, the way that she puts it is it's like a megaphone position. So you have the ability to advocate for things that like really matter to you. So like for her, it's um, she's a social worker and she's done like foster parenting and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of her passion project is making that better in Arkansas. And so the way she would use that is to make her position a platform for fostering, adopting, um, and social work. And so I think I would want to have a position like that where I could kind of tailor it to whatever I'm passionate about in that time. Um, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah. That's awesome. Actually, I want to ask Margaret, what would you run for? (laughs) Um, I mean, I've kind of gone back and forth. I've gone back and forth, uh, in my life, like especially the last two years around thinking that maybe I could run for political office. And it's not because I want to run for political office. It actually sounds really terrible to run for political <laughs> office. I feel like obligated. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've had that thought before in the past of like, you know, maybe I should, maybe the fact that I don't want the attention and I don't want to be put in the spotlight, like maybe that's a sign that I could do that and yeah. not get wrapped up in this and like the celebrity status of it because um, that part sounds terrible to me um, <laughs> but um, yeah I've thought about it you know I even briefly like kind of entertained the idea of running for a congresswoman position um, when I lived back in Nevada but um, now that I live in Texas, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I could run for office anytime soon just because I'm living in a new state and I don't yeah. feel like I know the community and what the community needs yet. I feel like I think that's going to take time. Um, um, I've in the past, I think because I've knocked down the house, I'm so inspired by how AOC literally went from like bartender to you know, running for Congress, like on the federal level. I mean, that's a huge step. Most people will spend their whole careers working from local community politics to state politics and then to federal. She just bypassed the whole thing. So I've, I've entertained that before. Um, I think honestly, though, at this point in my life, if I were to go into politics, I think I would start very much on a local level, like running for something on the city council, running Mm -hmm. for aldermen, Something like that, because then you really, really do get to know your community at a very, very intimate level um, and then build from there. And I I actually want to give a shout out. I do feel like I have kind of like a real life model here, but um, growing up. Uh, there's a woman in Illinois named Stephanie Kifowit. Um, she actually is part of the House of Representatives for Illinois. And when I was in middle school, I started babysitting her kids because she lived like a few blocks away from us because she was running. She was a, like a stay at home mom and she decided to run for city alderman. Mm. So she basically represented like a specific district of the town we lived in. And so we actually helped her with her campaign and I like would babysit her kids and she ended up winning. 
And, you know, because she was like literally going to be representing this very small body of people, it was like just one section of the town, like throughout her campaign, she got to, I think she got to meet almost every person in, in that area and have like a one-on-one connection with them. Um, and so she passed with flying colors and then she cont- maintained that position. Um, and she just kind of over the years worked her way up to now she's in, you know, in the House of Representatives for the state. But for her, I think it really painted a picture for me. If if you can be involved on a local level and if you can really like get to know people around you and what they need and serve that community, you can just build from there. And I think that's actually a way more enlightened position than like trying to represent a whole body of people that you don't even understand or know. Yeah. I think I would probably run for something more local or like in a small town, but it, I love that you brought up Stephanie Kipowit because I still have her on Facebook and she is such a joy. And I remember oh, yeah. going to that party when she won her election. I remember all of it. I was like very young, but it's definitely very inspirational to see people like in our lives that are able to accomplish those things. And hopefully one day yeah. it'll be one of us or one of our peers. All right, and let's dive into our gratitude prompt because we all have to spread some gratitude. (laughs) I'm going to ask you first, Lucy, what are you grateful for today? Oh my gosh, Christmas. I mean, I know it's only November, but we started decorating our apartment with little Christmas lights, little twinkle lights and everything. Um, And I went to Target today to get those lights and they already had all their trees up and everything. And it just just felt so cozy and happy. And I just, I just love holiday season. So yeah. What about you, Margaret? What are you grateful for today? Oh, this is so random. I'm very grateful for nose rings. (laughs) But not for your, but not for your nose. So I came up with this idea this week. I'm sure I'm not the first one to come up with this idea, but I'm like, I'm so like when you, you when you wear earrings. I don't know if this happens to you, but like when you wear earrings, like if you leave them in for a few days, they start to get kind of like gross. Yeah. Like, yeah, they get kind of yuck. So and you got to like take it all out and clean everything, and it's just like what the heck. Yeah. So I came up with the idea of getting nose rings for my earrings because you know how nose rings is just like literally one ring yeah. and it can yeah. just like slide around. So I got nose rings for my ears and I freaking love them because it's so easy to like keep them in. And like when you're in the shower, you can like wash out your ears and just like rotate the rings around and get everything nice and clean without taking them out. So (laughs) I am so grateful for nose rings, but for your ears. That is genius. I'm going to do that. I'm going to order them today (laughs) because I have the same (laughs) issue. I hate putting in earrings. I feel like I never have them in my my ears because they just bother me and they just get gross and ugh. Yeah, say goodbye to clasps and like little, you know, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> all right, Agnes, what are you grateful oh, for today? Man. Um, today I am grateful for school because I have two papers to write that are due tomorrow. Started them this morning <laughs> for <laughs> usual. <laughs> and it is driving me crazy, but Um, I already have my outline for my American government paper and I'm like, I'm going to get this done. And I'm very grateful that I'm privileged enough to have access to education and to be able to afford it and be able to do it online. So I'm very grateful for that today. 
as we all nod our heads. Yeah. <laughs> Satisfied. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Lucy, for being on our podcast. Of it's course, always a joy. Yeah, of course. And I'm so, so excited for everything that you've been doing and all of the amazing information that you've been spreading. Please keep it up. Don't burn yourself out, but continue to do what you're doing. And you are doing such an amazing job and changing the world. Thank you so much. Of course. We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week. If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.